Basketball can be a mysterious sport. The team whose logo is in this envelope will have the first pick in the NBA draft. Watch James. Now wanted a timeout, but too late to get it. And five minutes go up on the clock, overtime here in game one. Will Giannis win a title in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform? It's hard for me to say that, Jay, considering how loaded the Lakers are. I don't know if you've been watching uh, Taylor Horton Tucker over the last couple of days. But what if those mysteries could be solved? What if those conspiracies are reality? Truth is out there. Can you handle it? In today's episode of Hoop Truthers, we are going to be discussing all the awards. It's an award show like every other podcast is doing right now. Six Man of the Year, Rookie of the Year, DPOY, MVP, and there was going to be a little bit of a twist where we were going to drink, but my co-hosts are either too hungover or unwilling to participate. So it's going to be me. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, it's a throwback to the No Bucks Given days. I used to get drunk on this podcast pretty regularly. So if you're, if you're new to that, enjoy seeing it for the first time. If you've been here before, there's nothing new. We're going to keep going with it. As always... Joining us is Nick Andre at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter, the co-host of Hoop Truthers and a damn fine conspiracist himself. But what you may not know is that today, Sunday, April 10th, is when we're recording the last day of the 2022 NBA season is Dre's birthday. Brother, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us on such a special day for the entire country. How are you? I am doing great, man. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the birthday wishes, man. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, man. Like you know, spending my day watching hoops, talking basketball. Can't you can't ask for an, uh, you can't ask for a better birthday, in my opinion. It's the last day of the NBA season, and almost no playoff seeds are set. We're going to be talking about that as we're recording through those games that are happening right now. But first, joining us, a somewhat frequent flyer on the old No Bucks Given podcast, but being inducted into the Hoop Truthers Circle of Truth for the first time, the host of the Popular Demand podcast and a Twitch streamer for the Problematic Posse. You can see their Twitter on the screen right now if you're watching. They're streaming Mondays through Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Central. <laughs> Joining us again, JWAP at JWAP6, Jordan, brother, welcome back, Clippers fan. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm excited to be back. Hadn't talked basketball in a little while. Been a little busy. Dre, I got to say, I admire your dedication to the craft to spend your day, your day, talking hoops, man. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. It's fucking great to see. I've got two video game related questions for you before we keep going. I don't normally talk to uh, people that are online as much about video games, so I have to ask first. Everyone says that it's the one. Is Elden Ring the one? Elden Ring is the one, the two, okay. and the three. It lives okay. up to the hype, the rave scores, the tens across the board that it got before it came out. I endorse all those scores. 
it's a game for any, well, not for anybody, everybody. It's a game. It's if you're looking for a challenge, it's for you. No two people who play the game have had the same experience because of how immersive the world is, how expansive right. it is, and how much it allows you to pick your own path in terms of how you play, who you play with, what you play with, and where you go. So yeah, it's it's the one. Check it out. Uh, that's not a plug for Elden Ring. I don't know. I haven't played it either, but I've been hoping to. Everyone's been talking about it. Videos are being released. Second question, kind of related, but kind of not. Am I too old to enjoy the new Lego Star Wars game? No. Never too old. No. No. All of the Legos games are all hilarious. And, like, no, they're they're too much fun. Too passive. It, you're not too old to have fun. When you're too old to have fun, that's, that's when you can't play Lego Star Wars, which that's Good. no age. I needed that because uh, this weekend I got baked and I bought it and I've been playing it. So even if you had said that I am, I probably would have had to admit that, but it's good to hear that I've got the support. That's gonna be enough of the extra, let's move on, let's get right into the awards show, okay? By the way, if you wanna know, I'm drinking uh, a canned whiskey mule, it's fine, it's okay. Mm. Let's start with sixth man of the year. Well, how we're gonna do this is everyone's gonna go around and say their third, their second, and their first, but we'll start with an honorable mention. One guy that you wanna shout out, we don't have to do analysis, but one guy that's not gonna be in your top three that you'd like to give a shout out. Dre, why don't you start us off? I did not know, <laughs> I didn't know I had to go prepare for an honorable mention, but if you I had to choose- Just mention man. somebody. I mean, if you made a list, you know some people off it. <sighs> man, like who else would be? Cause I ain't gonna lie, like, you know, the six minutes already basically given to one person already it that is, we don't it know is. of. We'll um, get there. <sighs> we'll skip you, Jordan. You got I'll wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. I'll say, uh, I'll say Kevin Love. All right, Kevin Love. Um, we'll talk about him later. Jordan, do you got anybody wanted to shout out that's not going to make your top three? <sighs> ah, man, I'm not entirely certain. I'm gonna say I'm gonna be a Clippers homer. I'm gonna say Luke Kennard. Yeah. He had what I would deem maybe a, le- a legitimate case early on coming off the bench for the Clippers. He was really lighting it up, shooting like north of forty percent from three, having like twenty point games for us, and uh, really helped us win some games. Helped really helped us win some close games um, early on in the season. And then he kind of tapered off. I think he got like hurt, or maybe he got out for like health and safety protocols. And then yeah. I think some other guys stepped up. So. I give him that honorable mention for the for the games he helped us win early on the season that kept us afloat until right. guys started coming back. I watched a lot of videos, read a lot of articles for this. The way that I make decisions on stuff is I consume everyone's opinions and try and discern my own from them. A lot of people did have Kennard in there. I didn't have him in mind, but a lot of people had Kennard in the mix and spoke really highly of him. I'll give a shout out to Kelly Oubre, who has been uh, just Listen, if you give six man the guy that scores a lot off the bench, Kelly Oubre is that guy for you. He did it for Charlotte a lot, but we're not going to talk too much about it. Let's go straight up into number three. Dre, who do you have for number three? You got to come back to me, man. All right. Jordan, you come got a number three for us? I'll be honest with you. I don't have a number three. I had I had a one and a two, but if I had to pick a number three, mm. I don't know if I want to go Cameron Payne. I think I might stick with Kelly Oubre as my okay. third. Um, just for the scoring punch he's been able to provide off the bench for the uh, Charlotte Hornets this season. Uh, something that we I didn't really expect from him after his tenure with the Warriors. I, well, actually, I was expecting him to be a lot better than he was for the Warriors. So when he, went to, when he left the Warriors, went to 
um, the Hornets, I didn't really expect much from him. So shout out to him for stepping up in that scoring role for the Hornets within the absence of Gordon Hayward. I will give it to him. All right. I'll set this up a little bit differently. I've got a number three. I've got Kevin Love, just to give you guys some pretty standard stuff. 13.4 points, 7.2 rebounds off the bench, averaging 42.5 from the field, 38.4 from three, 84.4 from the free throw line. Pretty great splits. The one thing that I want to shout out Love for, he's not going to get the award, I don't think, by the voters, and I didn't give it to him in my own decision. But after a lot of years of injuries with Cleveland, some sad years with Cleveland, and while Cleveland was really banged up this year, many of their important players went down. Love plays in 73 games, which is probably more than he's played in several seasons. So that was really cool to see. Big shots to him. Trey, did you have a top two or just one? I'll give you a top two. Um, for All number right, two, I'll I'll go I'll go Jordan Clarkson. And I mean, I know, I know, I know we always bash Utah on this podcast. A lot of us <laughs> like really don't watch Utah as much, but yeah. honestly, I mean, when you when you look at that, when you when you look at that roster, basically. Jordan Clarkson is basically that their second best scorer, in my opinion, right right alongside Donovan Mitchell. He's the one of the uh, one of the microwave machines that really helps him going, especially with the second unit. So, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll probably go Jordan. I'll probably go uh, Jordan Clarkson's number two. All right, Jordan Clarkson, who was I think last year's winner. Jordan, do you have a number two for us? You said you did. I did. Uh, I'm actually it's actually interesting since you said that's your number two. I'm curious who you end up leaving off of your uh, who's your number one, Dre. Yeah, but I would probably say. I think my number two would probably be Tyler Hero. Um, okay. Shout out to Tyler Hero for having a, a bounce back year because a lot of people were critical of his year last year with the Heat, yeah. saying that he had took a step back from it. Realistically, I think he just didn't become the superstar everybody thought he was going to be after his right. rookie season and the run they had for the finals. But I think he's done an excellent job um, providing a not just an extra scoring punch, but being the scoring punch. For the, right. um, uh, the Miami Heat, in the absence of a lot of people like Jimmy Butler, who's been in and out the lineups, and Kyle Lowry in and out the lineups, I feel like let me see how many how many games did Tyler Hero play this season? He played a, a healthy sixty six games, which is probably yeah. a far cry from a lot of their best players on that team. Right. So I, I I'd had to give him the number two spot. Um, I've got Tyler Hero. I'll just you know jump right in. I've got number one. I'll talk about my number two in a second. But while we're on Hero, um, like you mentioned. People were off him last year. Reality is almost every single NBA player that's talented has a sophomore slump. It just happens. You know, Jason Tatum's sophomore slump was terrible. People thought he wasn't going to be close to what he is now. So it shouldn't have been that surprising to see him have that off year and bounce back. But let's talk about it a little bit further. 20.7 points per game, which is only 0.7 less than Jimmy. So he's the second leading scorer on that team. Uh, four rebounds or five rebounds, four assists, pretty healthy all-around game for Tyler on some pretty solid splits. I know 44.7 from the field isn't great for a guard, but he really is the only half-court offensive option they have, so he's just chucking stuff up. He's essentially their Jordan Clarkson, if you want to put that on a, on a contender like Miami. And uh, 39.9% from three. If it's a Miami Heat player, odds are they're going to shoot the three well unless they're the best defensive players on that team. And really good from the free throw line, A6.8. He's the six-man second leading scorer on the number one team in the East. I wanted to give it to someone else, and I couldn't find anything in terms of, like, the stats or the number one team in the East, like, arguing against that for better. The one thing that I would point out is he averages 0.3 minutes less than Giannis per game. 
He's playing yeah. starters minutes. He's not necessarily a bench player, but the rules is like if you start half the games, you can't do it. He didn't. He was coming off the bench regardless of it, and that mm-hmm. qualifies him as a six-man. I'll talk about my number two in a second, but Dre, did you have Tyler as your number one, or was it someone else? Got to go with Tyler, number one, in my opinion. I don't even think it's really debatable that he is number one. I mean, sure. no, no. No disrespect to everybody else who's been um, playing well off the bench, but I think Tyler has definitely been the Heat's best offensive player. We, um, if you want to be uh, right. technical, honestly, like I know Jimmy Butler's averaging like I think I think slightly more points than um, Hero this season, but but in my I mean in, in my opinion, Hero's the like by far the best offensive player for the Heat this year. He's definitely kept them afloat, especially with Jimmy being out, Bam being out. Um, I think Kyle Lowry missed some games as well, so. Without without that without that scoring that Tyler Hero brings to the table, I, I like I have no idea like where Miami is right now if he's not and, if he's not consistent. Yeah. Their playoff hopes pretty uh, hinge on him becoming 2019 Fred VanVleet too. In terms of natural scoring ability, Hero's the number one on that team, and we're gonna see how far that takes them into the playoffs. My number two and your number one might be the same, Jordan. Who do you have? I was gonna be a uh, pool. Oh, Jordan Poole, Ooh. that's right. What yeah, is yeah, wrong yeah. with me? Dang, man. See, that, Your that's own team. Thinking. That's how I was thinking, Dre. I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, is he going to leave Poole off or is he going <sighs> to leave Hero off? I was, I was curious. I got put on the spot, man. I got put on the spot. It, 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 it happens, man. But, like, but even then, like, you know, if Poole gets it, it'll be in a kind of a Lou Will fashion or even like yeah. a Jamal Crawford fashion. And what I mean by that is those two are guys who – could, who, you know, at times played starter minutes and started a lot of games. You know, Tyler Hero, I think, only started like 10 games compared to Jordan Poole, who's, who actually yeah. started around 50 games. He started a lot. He played 75 games, games yeah. and really he only counts the bench for like 25 of them. So it might not even be fair for even right. him have him in this category, even though I know people will vote for him because he did come off the bench. Um, he was originally, I think he was originally slotted to be in that role, or what that's what I thought he was going to be when Clay came, except was healthy. But um, he's just been very, I feel like he's been very malleable. Right. Uh, basically, when, it, when the team needed him to start, he showed up in that role, and that was, I think it's an excellent six-man when he's able to come off the bench, start some games when the team needs you, and then go back to the bench and then be the lifeline for that group as well. Uh, I do really appreciate that like flexibility and being able to switch between the two different lineups and be able to uh, help his team bring wins that way. So that's why I had him as my number one. Although, after sitting here, I, I definitely feel like I, I over – I feel like I should have had Clarkson probably three over Ubre. Sure, that's probably that's probably who I would have chose actually for three instead of uh, Ubre. Most improved is uh, our sixth man is one of the ones that we don't really care as much about. By the way, if you care about most improved in coaching, uh, coach of the year, we talked about that last week with Pat Benson Jr. So if you want to take a look at those picks, those did not change in the last week of the NBA season. I promise you, so you can take a look. But sixth man, it's it's a good award to have. Um, hopefully, it goes to a younger player were a symbol of something to come for that guy like it did for Harden when he won an OKC. I think Hero and Poole both qualify as that. Young gunners on contenders. You can call them both contenders, I think, uh, pretty easily. Whatever you think of the Heat. Warriors about the same with the health. but And they're only going to get better, at least we assume so. So hopefully this is the step to another award for them in the future. Let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. I'm saving Rookie of the Year, even though it doesn't mean anything for second last to MVP, just because everyone's been de- – it's the most hotly debated thing. Beyond MVP, people are killing each other on the timeline for Rookie of the Year right now, so we're going to save that for second last. Defensive Player of the Year is 
a pretty wide field. I think all three of us would agree that Draymond would have had the award pretty easily if he hadn't gotten injured halfway through That's the season. Fact. And he still hasn't played enough, so he's not in my my ranks whatsoever. But a shout-out to Draymond, who easily would have won the award if it wasn't. I do have three here, and we can talk about those candidates. Dre, do you have a top one or two for me? Um, I have. I actually have three. I think for number three, I'll probably. It's tough though, man, because honestly, like when you it's think about tough. this list, like they they've all made like some big impacts, like defensively. But I'm gonna go Mikael Bridges. I think I think yeah. he's been one of the mm. biggest anchors for the Suns this year, especially especially on the perimeter. The game, the game that I really, I guess the game that really sealed it for me. I mean, I know it was early in the year, but whenever they played the Warriors, I think I can't remember like exactly what he what he held step to, but he definitely yeah. held held step to a, to a poor uh, shooting night. So that that was the game that really showed me like, yo, this guy is super elite defensively. So it's tough though because it's like you can go either way with it, but I'll probably go with Mikael Bridges as number three. Love Mikael, and even if they don't win all the awards, you're going to see a lot of Suns in these candidates. We had Monty for Coach of the Year last week. Cam Johnson is someone that's going to be considered for sixth man. Mikael is going to be someone that's mentioned for Defensive Player of the Year, and he's been phenomenal this year. I'm not sure if the scheme is necessarily built around him, but he is perfect in the scheme that they have and as a perimeter defender i don't know if you can get much better jordan do you have a top three at all or just top two i have a top three i'm sitting here trying to tell myself who should be the honorable mention i'm, I'm stuck at the three spot but yeah. hmm, man i i think i'm on a zag i think i'm going to give mikhail bridges my honorable mention sure um i think he's a very versatile defender um Shout out to his durability, being one of the NBA's Iron Man, being uh, Iron Man, yeah, being Iron Man for four consecutive seasons. Yep. That's not that's, so being able to be play the level defense he does day in day out without any breaks. That's right. nothing to scoff at. I think I'm gonna give my number three to a guy that a lot of people on NBA Twitter absolutely hate. I think I'm gonna give it to oh, yeah. there. I, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I, I think like I think what he does should not. Um, be swept under the rug. I appreciate when a center does all the dirty work in terms yeah. of grabbing the boards, blocking shots, also altering the uh, direction of shots, and um, ultimately just changing the entire dynamic of a defense. Because I know when the Clippers play against the Jazz, we have a hard time. I, I watch my, I watch the players on my team go to the rim, see Rudy there, and then veer back out. Try to pull him away from the rim because they right. know how much of a threat he is at the rim. Um, yeah, he can't guard the perimeter, but I don't. I just don't think that should be held against him when he's like an sure. all-world defender at the rim. Um, but like I said, I have to penalize him. I don't have any higher than three because of the fact that he can be neutralized by taking him away from the rim. Mm -hmm. But at three, he he is the anchor for a top ten defense where really you wouldn't call anybody else on the floor with him a positive defender other than maybe Conley at this point in the season. Yeah, dude, and Conley is old as shit. Joe Ingles was probably their best. Well, Royce O'Neal is great. He's undersized. Is, uh, and to be honest, undersized. Daniel House, regardless of what he did in the bubble and how you feel about that, has been a pretty solid player for them defensively. Uh, he's kind of like a Wesley Matthews, what they're doing in Milwaukee, what he's doing over there. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just Gobert. And we know it's just Gobert. He's not going to win the award, whether he deserves it or not. We saw this player fatigue, voter fatigue is a very real thing. Giannis didn't deserve to win the title last year, but he wasn't in the top three uh, after two straight years of winning it. People just don't want to vote for them another time. Yeah. Until Rudy is on another team and shows the same, I don't know if he'll win another defensive player of the year. Utah's 
we've been talking about this. We got to find someone from Twitter on Utah to talk about this because they're headed to an ugly divorce in the summer. And I honestly can't wait to see it. I can already tell that our defensive player of the year rank is going to be all fucked up. And I, I love it. My number three. I've got Mikel on my honorable mention. My number three is Giannis. I know the numbers aren't there as much, and I know the Bucks aren't like um, as good of a play- defensive team that they've been in the past. But reality for me is tied number ten in blocks per game and one point one steals per game. Who is tied with Embiid for most of both in the top ten? And he's been playing the majority of his minutes at center this year. He's been pushed out of position. Brook Lopez, who let's not forget has won first team all defense awards in the past like couple of years has been a really monstrous defender for the bucks and signing him next to instead Bobby Portis, who is better on defense than people give him credit for, but he's not fucking Brooke Lopez. So he's playing center for a lot of the year. And while a lot of people are gone, it's a uh, massive part. Plus it's what he's shown us before. If he wants to turn it on, he becomes, becomes the best defensive player in the still think he is like regardless of what dpoy is i still consider Giannis the best and most dominant defensive player in the league when he turns it on i think that alone warrants a mention here and if you're going to call me a homer one of the guys in my top three is someone that i openly don't like on twitter so it doesn't really matter trey who do you have at number two for you you openly don't like on twitter I'm trying to guess that, but my number two is <laughs> this guy here. I absolutely love him. He's a big anchor in the middle for this team, which is why they made such a big transition from being like one of the uh, lower seats to now one of the top seats in the East, Robert Williams for the Boston Celtics. Yeah. The way that he has been able to really protect the rim has been really great for the Celtics, which is which is a part of why they're really missing him right now. I don't I don't know his timetable as far as as far as when he's going to return, second whether round. it's second round. Second round. So it's gonna be rough for them because you know he's a really big presence down low. But I think I think I think he definitely should get mentioned for at least being top three in um, defensive player of the year candidacy. He might have been my choice if he didn't get hurt. Um, it's it's cool that you're considering him without it, but for me it was just that at the point that he got injured, it was right when we if that had continued throughout the season. I think he would have easily been DPOY. Emeo Doga probably right. won Coach of the Year, and it really sucks for them to hit this injury. Love Rob Will though. I really hope he gets healthy. I don't know if he should play this year, uh, even if he is healthy in the second round, because he's dealt with injuries before. You'd probably rather have him have a full summer of recovery. But if they're a contender, they're a contender. Jordan, who do you have at number two for us, sir? I think my number two is going to be Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read a stat the other day stating how he has been holding, I believe, opposing offensive players to just 40% from the field. Uh, we all know Bam Tracker. We know what he does when he steps on the court. A guy who can, yeah. you know, where we where we penalize Rudy for not being able to step away from the rim. Bam is able to protect the rim at sure. an elite level, but then step out on the outside and really be disruptive and bother guys out there. Uh, so that's my pick for the second Bam out of bio. Who's I think has to be. It's one reason why the Heat is like a top three defense, other than Spolster schemes and stuff like that. Right, of course. I've also got Bam at number two. While I am a fan of Bam, I've been somewhat of a Miami heater on Twitter, mainly because of how Miami fans on Twitter treat the Bucks. but it's a rivalry. That's what rivalries do. I'm not going to apologize for it, and they're not going to apologize for it either. Bam's been fucking phenomenal this year. He's the anchor of the number four team in defensive rating and the number one team in the Eastern Conference, and it was close for a second there, but they've been in number one since the Bulls started getting hurt. Like, they've been number one in the East for several months now. It was never jostling for position with them. And big part of Miami's versatility. 
Eric Spolster is one of the most brilliant coaches in the game, and the Heat have one of the most malleable defensive units in the league with guys like P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler being able to play around the floor. But no matter what scheme they go to, Bam can adhere to that, which so few big men can do. You want to play a deep drop or a more elevated drop like the Milwaukee Bucks do, Bam can do that easily. You want to switch on the perimeter, he can do that. A guard is still going to take him off the dribble every once in a while, but he can recover and get you there. The counting stats aren't really there. He doesn't block a ton of shots a game. He doesn't steal. I think he's got like 0.8 blocks per game, but that's not what his defense comes from. The only reason he wasn't my number one, just like Rob Will getting hurt, he missed about a quarter of the season with a thumb injury. I think in 2018, when Rudy Gobert won a, won a DPOY, he played like even less than Bam did, but there was one guy that I have ahead of this, and I'm so excited for him to have a DPOY. I don't know if he's going to win it, and I haven't seen a ton of people pick him. Some people have, but I'm a huge fan of this guy at number one. I want to hear your guys' first, though. Dre, after your number two, who is your final? Who is your pick for Defensive Player of the Year in 2022? Let's get it, man. This guy's on probably one of the most exciting young teams in the NBA. Oh, do it. Yes, please. Oh, my God. I, I got to go with Jaron Jackson. Yes, King, yes. Oh. I know I know that he's a blocks leader, so it may be easy to make him the number one. But when I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at a guy that's able to obviously protect the rim. Um, being able to being able to switch onto smaller defenders, being being able to guard the pick and roll, like Jaron Jackson is a very versatile player, and um, I think I think a lot of people may have overlooked it because you know he only played about like 13 games a season ago. Right. So now with him being back, you know it, it definitely elevated the Grizzlies to another level. And you don't, I don't know, you you just got you, you just got to consider him as a defensive player of the year. At least considered, Jordan. Did you agree with us, or is there someone else to top your ladder? No, yeah, this might be a unanimous decision. Oh, I was going to go Jerry Jackson uh, Jr. as well. I believe not only is he a leader in blocks, he's also a leader in stocks, which is a right. combination of blocks and steals. Mm-hmm. Just to, like you said, don't, those stats don't always tell you the whole story about a defensive player, just like defensive rest or any other defensive stat. It's a lot of you have to watch these guys. But for, to be the leader in both of those just tells me this guy is an elite disruptor on the defensive right. end. Uh, somebody who gets teams out of their sets, and gets and one of the reasons why the Grizzlies are able to get out and transition off of turnovers. So he is my defensive player of the year. And like I said, I don't think he has actually had a lot of um he is he has some buzz, but I don't think he's had a strong enough push to probably actually get him that award. I really wish they would have. Like Memphis should be pushing it. Maybe they are, and I just don't see them on Twitter. But it is unanimous. I when I drew up some drinking rules for this uh, episode, one of them was going to be if we agree on a number one, which I didn't expect super often, we would all take a drink. So I will take a drink now. I'm getting close to the bottom of this one, and I can it somewhat, so you guys will see the effects in a little bit. JJJ, let's run through the numbers. Blocks per game leader does not mean you win the DPOY. It's unfortunate that Marcus Camby was a really good player in the NBA for like almost a decade of his playing career. And the two things he is known for is winning DPOY unfairly just because he led the league in blocks per game. And there's a Kendrick song that they make a reference to Marcus Camby being washed up. So that sucks for Marcus, but blocks per game does not mean you win the DPOY, but he does lead the league in blocks per game 2.3 and at total blocks, 177, which is 40 more than anyone else in the league. And you mentioned it, lead stocks by a wide wide margin, 73 total steals in addition to that 177 blocks. The linchpin of the number five team in defensive rating and the number two team in the NBA, not just the Western Conference, the number two team in the NBA record-wise. 
And just like I mentioned with Kevin Love and why I shouted him out in six one six man of the year, Memphis has had a lot of injuries this year. Jaw's been out famously for 25 games, basically a little bit more than a quarter of the year. Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Steven Adams, everyone's missed time. And like you mentioned, Jaron Jackson Jr. played like 13 games last year. He's dealt with injuries. It was never really a question of whether JJJ would be able to develop into the player that he is. Everyone saw the talent. It was more so would he have enough time to do injury troubles that he's had in the past. Well, he played 78 games this year. 78. That's so much more than you expect from Jaron. And it's so great to see that he's flourishing. I think he deserves DPOY. And more, the one thing that people take a note of is that his follow rate is fucking bananas. Like, he's still following people like crazy. And on some level, that type of patience does make you a better defender. But he's also still very, very young. I, th- I think he's still in the last year of his contract, signed a massive extension the year prior. That's DPOY, though we are unanimous on Jaron Jackson Jr., and I couldn't be happier. Moving on to something that I really don't think is going to be unanimous, although we should be unanimous in the top three of the the, the thing, oh, is geez. Rookie of the Year. I haven't okay, seen good. But before we before we do this, uh, I wanted to do this before the episode, but I forgot, and it's not in my script. It's the end of the NBA season, the regular season. If flew by, but I'm loving it. It's Sunday, April 10th, and there are games still going on. The playoffs next week we'll talk about in a second. Let's take a break here. Uh, Like a lot of shows do, right before it gets good, Rookie of the Year and MVP, let's take a break to do something else. I want to hear about your guys' best, your favorite memory or your favorite thing about this season. And I'll start, the reason this reminded me was, for me, it was this year's rookie class. I mean, just a phenomenal rookie class by all things. I'm not going to name them by name because we're about to do that for rookie of the year. But we're not doing uh, all-NBA or rookie all-NBA, all-rookie teams on this team because it's such a mess. But the all-rookie teams are going to be dreadfully hard to do this year because of how many players there are and how many good players there have been so far already. That's mine. Dre, what's been your favorite part so far? I might have to go with the rookies too, man. And do it, man. Honestly, I know we praise these rookies a lot, and I'm I'm gonna say this right here, man. I, I don't I don't know if I mentioned it before in the podcast, but here's a hot take here. I think that this draft class is gonna be up there with 9603. Yeah, maybe. And whatever draft class, 84, whatever you want to name. Because like when you look at like the combination of all these guys, everybody just brings something different to the table, whether it's scoring, whether it's you know, yeah. defensive playing, um, rebounding, um, you know, just being a, a playmaker, you know, like it's like everybody just has their own flavor and, and does it very effectively. So like I know I think me and you both already 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 know who our rookie of the year is, but honestly, like you know, it's really debatable when you think about it. Like you know, you can't just go it's, with that one guy. You know, it, it could be another guy and another guy. I don't want to put any names out there right now, but this rookie class has been super impressive to me. Honestly, like it's probably it's probably been the most. I want to say it's probably the most impressive rookie class probably since eighteen. If you guys want to say. Yeah, we'll have to see a couple more years to see how they're developed. Yeah. In their first year, definitely, and it's not just good players in the draft, like multiple of them. There's a big number of good players, as well as a couple of guys that are going to become franchise players as well. It's got the top-end nice. talent, as well as guys like Herb Jones, who's not going to be in this discussion, but let's shout out Herb Jones, right? Fucking great player. He's going to be great, Fantastic. and I can't believe I hope New Orleans does it. Um, 
Jordan, do you have anything else? Is it the rookies for you? Was there another thing that you'd like to see this year? Well, oh, man, I'm going to tell you what. I'm not going to be a homer. I'm not going to mention the Clippers. That's an easy thing to do. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I, I'm gonna tell you what. Something that I've really loved this NBA season, and I feel like it's been undersold, and that is just the flux of exciting young talent in the yeah. NBA. The young stars in this league seem like they're truly not just budding, but now taking the torch. Like, I was talking to friends the other day about who you think the top 10 players in the league, and it just felt so weird that I could, I feel like comfortable saying about three people before LeBron. Like, sure. like the fact that we, the three MVP front runners is Giannis, right. who's like 26, 25, uh, Jokic, who is Jokic, who is like 27 years old. Uh, you know, if he's 28, he's, 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 you know, entering his prime. And sure. if you look at the team led by Jason Tatum, the mm-hmm. Celtics are starting to look like real contenders. You look at what Luka Doncic is doing with the Mavericks. He's he, he's a guy who's going to be first team all NBA. Um, and then you look at the young, exciting Grizzlies team and the star and the um, electric score that Devin Booker has finally become. The NBA has a boatload yeah. of exciting young talent who can carry this league going into the future. And it's exciting to say that, wow, like there's going to be some fun people. Even, that's before you get to these new rookies who are all exciting and electric, like right, Mobley, right. who changed the entire complexion of the Cavaliers defense by allowing them to play three bigs because of how good, how special he is as just a rookie at defense. Like, I, I'm excited about the overall young stars in this league. Yeah. And not just the rookies. Like hey, on, real quick. I'm no, glad that uh, do it. I'm glad that Jordan brought up uh, Devin Booker because I want to ask you guys both this question because I got dragged for it the other day on Twitter. Like, do y'all consider Devin Booker as a superstar right now? That's a pretty hot topic on um, the NBA right now. And I, sa- I-, I said oh. no. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's hard because the numbers don't lie. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about this a little bit later. And I don't think he's going to be in any of our things for MVP, but he was going to be an honorable mention for me for MVP. 26, 5, and 5. A lot of dudes do average that. It's not like the rarest ally in the world. But he's the best player on the best team in the NBA. Do you take points away from the team being so good outside of him, though? Chris Paul is a great number two. DeAndre Ayton's probably a top 10 big man, whether you want to give him that max contract or not. Mikael Bridges is the exact two-way player you would want on that team. Their fifth starter is Jay Crowder, who would be a great fifth starter on a finals team. Their bench is super deep with guys like Cameron Payne, Cam Johnson, that fucking Bismack Biombo who came back to life this year. A lot of guys that they can work with and a guy in the coach of the year like Monty Williams. So is he making that team greater? I don't know, but I think the scoring alone, I don't know if there's 15 guys I'd rather have than, than Booker. Maybe there's definitely 10, but maybe not 15. I don't know. Jordan, how do you feel? I, so to Trey's point about being a superstar, I'm, I have a very strict um, guideline for that. Usually you have to be at least a top 10 talent. But also you have to be like a household name. Like I feel like superstars mm-hmm. are people in the NBA who are super recognizable. Like my mom looks at a TV commercial and they're like, I know who that is. I don't feel like Devin Booker has reached that level. Like she knows who Steph Curry is. She knows who LeBron is. Right. She don't watch any basketball, but she knows who those people are. That To me, that's, those are the superstar talents in the league, top 10 uh, in talent, but also household names. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a social factor to that. Now in terms of Devin Booker, I don't think you should penalize a guy by having good teammates. You know, sure. I don't have. I don't think mm-hmm. good teammates make you less valuable. Um, the only reason why Devin Booker isn't going to be on my top three spoiler alert 
um, is the right. fact that I just don't – I just think there are three guys who are having a better season than him right. while also bringing equal, if not greater, impact value to their teams. Um, and that's why – so I think he's a great talent. I think he is going to be a top-10 player in this league for a long time. Uh, just not a superstar yet. Yeah. Can very well get to that level. He has talent for it. And also, just I don't think he's the MVP this season either. Sure. I'm not the biggest Suns guy. I don't either. We beat him last year, you know, and Suns fans, whew, they got really high and mighty when they started playing well. But this isn't about Suns fans. And listen, Bucks fans did too. We were a poverty franchise before Giannis. I'm not going to lie about that. I've been watching them for more than a decade. I know how bad it gets, Suns fans. Honestly, we got a lot more common than you think about, except that we have a top five player and you don't. Anyways, the thing with Booker is that there's always excuses with him. I don't necessarily love the player. I think his game is beautiful when he's not complaining. But when it was the, when the team wasn't good, it was that he was an empty calories player. And now when the team is good, people are like, well, it's Chris Paul. It's Monty Williams. It's the whole team, you know? There's always excuses mm-hmm. with, with Devin Booker. I don't know when we're going to stop making those excuses. There's a point in the future, whether they win a title or not, where Chris Paul is going to retire. He is older. And at that point, they're going to have to find a point guard who is good, but not as good as Chris Paul, like when they had Ricky Rubio before Chris Paul, that type of level. If Booker can be the clear best player on that team and they still win 55, if not 60 games, I think he'll be an MVP at that point. I think he would be a superstar. I think the talent is there. You don't need to be heliocentric or a world beater on defense if you've got the chops. You know, I'm not saying he's AI, but AI wasn't Trey Young in the sense that Trey Young is – scoring the ball, but also giving it to everyone else on the team as well. AI was more unique than any player we're ever going to see, and Booker is more of that mold because he's more of a scorer. He passes six assists a game, baby. That's not nothing, you know? That's not nothing, especially for what he did before. But I think it's going to be until this team wears off before Booker starts getting that. I think he should be first team All-NBA for sure. We're not doing that on here, but he should be. Him and Luca are probably the first team guards for me. Trey's got a chance there, but Luca's just Luca. You know, I know it's the same draft class and all that bullshit. It's a good question, though. Um, and I think all of our answers are no, but it has nothing to do with Booker whatsoever. No, like, and, and, that's, and that's the thing as well, because as a talent, Devin Booker is probably like one of my personal favorite scorers. But, you know, it's kind of like what Jordan said, like, you know, do you have that that? that name, like, you know, like, that brand type, you know what I'm saying? Like, because, like, when you think of superstars, like, you think of, obviously, LeBron, Steph, Kevin Durant, Jokic, Giannis, like, we don't mention Devin Booker in that same category, unfortunately. And and it it, it has nothing to do with his game. And I do think that Devin Booker has played a huge role in why the Suns have been um, at least very um, successful this year. I think he has made his teammates a lot better, but I just don't put him in that category just yet. But then again, he's only, like, what, 24, 25, so he still has a lot of years Yeah, he's still so young, in that category. Talk about that young talent in the league. Devin Booker's on the best team in the league, and he's like 26. Um, and shooting guards, just in general, aren't really always superstars. Like the last superstar at, at shooting guard, unless you want to count Clay, which is a debatable topic. I think the talent was there, but he was never in a situation where he had to be a superstar. I can say that for another day. Besides that, the last one was Harden, and Harden only became a superstar when he played like a point guard and started giving everyone else the ball too. Oh, wow. So I think it's a part of the positional situation as well. But the Suns are going to get love. And these award seasons, and maybe in the playoffs too, we're going to see still no clarity, but we'll keep an eye on. But let's go to Rookie of the Year. There are two honorable mentions. Listen, if you guys don't have the top three in the top three, then we're going to have to have that conversation. 
But the two honorable mentions outside of that for me are Jalen Green and Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner had a fantastic start to the season, middle of the season. End of the season, not so much, but the Orlando started tanking for position as they should and as they're right and in this position. Playing them as much right now, they're up 12 on the Heat, who I'm sure aren't playing their guys right now. Victor Oladipo's got 34! Wow, I'm so happy for Victor Oladipo. Sorry for the tangent, but Oladipo's got 34 right now. I was watching him the other night, hitting some step-back threes. He looks pretty good. Uh, well, he is a minus five, but it doesn't really matter. I don't know if it's going to matter for the playoffs, but maybe he'll get a contract next year, depending on this, which would be really cool for Oladipo. Um, and they started slowing down, so Franz's case went a little bit down. But I think like the best offensive rookie this year, like pure offense, another pure offense guy in Jalen Green, who's who's post-All-Star break. If he played the whole year like this, he probably would have been a top two guy for rookie of the year, let alone top three. It just came too late. But at least he's shown everyone that's stupid enough to call him a bust i don't know if i'd still take him over that guy at number three we can talk about that a little bit later but it's clear they chose him for a reason and he's going to be that did you guys have those guys in your top three i can't imagine right uh no i didn't have uh Jalen green in my top three no mm-hmm. okay yeah so no. He, if you guys want to talk about them a little bit go for it i just i, I, I think like you calculated pretty well with Jalen green he came on yeah. a little just a little too late he had yeah. pretty thing, yeah i, 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 I would Oh, yeah, I'll almost say dreadful beginning to the beginning of the year. Like, a lot sure, of people yeah. like, oh, why? You know, he was he had a hard time scoring. Like, his, and that was pretty much his main calling card this season has been scoring. So when he wasn't scoring, he wasn't right. really impacting the game all that much. So, yeah, that's why he didn't make my top three. Shout out to Fran Wagner, though. He was, yeah. He's been hooping, but he didn't make yeah. my top three either. Right, yeah, same. Um, people compare Jalen's and Anthony Edwards' rookie campaign a lot. And I think I pretty much agree with that. I think Ant started doing stuff a little bit sooner. That's why he was number two in the race. But it, he's going to be just fine. Let's start. Let's go right into it. My number three, I, it's going to be mixed up for us, but my number three is Cade. And I'll tell you why, but let's start with it. 17 point. It's Cade Cunningham, by the way. Do I have to say the full name for you guys that are listening? It's Cade Cunningham. Right? He plays for the Pistons, right? Cade Cunningham. 17.4 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 5.6 assists, really well-rounded stat line, 1.9 stocks, as well as terrible shooting splits, which is not a problem because he's a rookie, and almost all rookies have terrible shooting splits. 40, uh, 41.6 from the field, 31.4 from three, but good free throw percentage, 84.5, which lends you to believe that in the future he will be better at uh, shooting the rest of the ball. Number four in double-doubles, among rookies, number one in points per game among rookies, number five in rebounds per game among rookies, and number two in triple-doubles. He's got two triple-doubles, Giddy's got four, and that's it for the rookies this year. And if you get drafted in the top three, odds are you're getting drafted to a dog shit team. You're not going to discount Cade for that, but the team won like 20 games. And the other guys in this were doing stuff as similar to Cade and weren't that bad. So that's what I've got for number three. I'm really curious about you guys. Dre, who do you have? I went with Scotty Barnes, honestly. Okay. Um, I think we all expected him to at least be like top. Actually, actually, to be honest, I actually picked him originally uh, before the season began as my rookie of the year. But then, of mm-hmm. course, you know, we obviously know the other two guys started to emerge. But I don't know, like, you know, just just watching his Raptors team, I think, I think, I think, you know, with his versatility, just being able to – Guard guard positions one through five, and then just be being able to be that that power forward point playmaker type guy. 
I think that brings a lot of versatility to his game. And then honestly, like he, like he's he's honestly a really good fit alongside guys like Fred Van Vliet, uh, Gary Trent Jr., Pascal Siakam, the rest of these guys. So it sucks though, because I mean, I, I I honestly know a lot of people that may consider him um, rookie leader just because I mean the Raptors have been more successful than other teams, but he's definitely got to be he's definitely top three for me. The one thing that I want to mention about my number three before we go on for Cade, the reason that I had him slotted, the numbers that I showed you were number one in points per game for rookies, usually the highest scorer in rookies wins uh, the thing. For me, a lot of people agree with Jalen Green not being in the mainly because while his post-All-Star break has been phenomenal, before that lacked a little bit of, you know, flair. Cade's first month was straight up bad. And it's not his fault. He was coming off of a bum ankle, and he's been great since then. But – if you include that one month in the stats, it brings down his stats. That's how bad his first month of the game is. And if you're going to discount Jalen for taking a few months off the season, Cade, you have to discount just a little bit. That's why he's still in the top three, but that's why I slid him behind. Scotty is your number three. Jordan, who is yours? Cade Cunningham is my number three. Someone yeah. I believe in a, tremendous, a lot. Someone yeah. I thought you know, coming to the season could have been coach of the year. I felt like he seemed to be the most mature, one of the more mature players in his class, mm-hmm. mentally and physically. Um, I thought that he was going to come in and really make an impact on the league early. And like you said, he struggled a bit. It was mostly because he was on one on a bum ankle, but yeah. also because the Pistons are just horrible. Just kind of sure. like I don't like to hold your team being good against you in the MVP race. For the rookies, I try not to hold your team being so bad. Right. And what I mean by that is when you don't have any space, I was like, what, what, the Pistons had like six centers on their roster when the season started. Yeah. Like, there's absolutely no spacing whatsoever for K. Cunningham to work with, which only made his job a lot harder as a rookie point guard in this league. So I feel like they shored up, they fixed up some of that that roster's problems they had early on in the year. Um, and and as a result, we've seen K. kind of come alive, I think, in the month yeah. of – Hey, he's averaging like not month of May, month of March. He's averaging like twenty three points, shooting like forty eight percent from the field. So it showed that he become acclimated over time, and right. all it took was you know getting a little healthy. Also, the Pistons making some adjustments in terms of personnel around him for him to truly uh, come into his own. I think he's a talent, even when he but even when he's not scoring, he's still impacting the game with his defense yeah. and getting others involved. And that's why, even though he struggled early on, like Green. I, can't, I gave him the nod over Green because of the fact he's able to impact the game in all the ways. Yes, 100%. And it's so funny. Like, he does score, and he does uh, do the other stuff. Like I mentioned, more than five rebounds and assists a game, which is really solid for a, a player, especially in his first year. It's that he can actually just straight up take over games. I don't know if you guys saw the game that they narrowly lost to Brooklyn uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Where Kate was just walking down the court, hit a three, come on down. They couldn't do anything against Kyrie and and KD, so they would score on that end. But every single time, <laughs> Kate would hit a three, and it was just he's going to be able to take over games. And that type of switch that you flip is very difficult for guys that also do everything else. Your energy has to be at that level. And like we mentioned, their roster is bad, but I have full faith in Troy Weaver in the front office and Dwayne Casey as the head coach. They're going to make the correct moves this offseason. I, I think – this is their last year of tanking. They're going to get a high pick. Maybe they get Paolo. Who says? Who knows? And after that, I think they're done. They're going to trade Jeremy for some stuff. They'll trade Kelly Olenek for some stuff, but they'll try and make the playoffs next year. At least I would hope so. Dre, I'm assuming your number two is Cade Cunningham. 
it is definitely Kate Cunningham. And uh, I mean, you got you guys basically just kind of um, hit, hit the hit the nail on the head with everything. It's just still hilarious because after this first game, when he struggled tremendously, everybody considered him a bust. I don't know why I was like, yo, like, can you please give this guy some time? And now those same people that were calling him a buzz, he's their rookie of the year. And I'm like, wow, that's just super funny. So Kate is still, Kate is definitely showing that, you know, he has the potential to be a franchise star and also um, possibly within the next few years, lead a team to the playoffs, yeah. depending on, de- depending on what direction that Piston team can go. Obviously his shooting splits are not that great. He's obviously not the great of a three point shooter as of right now, but like, right. like, like you mentioned earlier though, like those, those, those things, are, those things are just going to come over time. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, it's, it's in my opinion, it's a tough race between Evan Mobley and Cade, and I think Cade is just right there behind him. I agree. So uh, we can assume Dre's number one pretty easily. Basically. <laughs> Jordan, who is your number two? Number two for me is the man in the legend. It's Evan Mobley. Yeah, uh, okay. The Cavaliers. And I, I kind of alluded earlier to how special this guy is on the defensive end. Being the fact that the cap, when I first heard the Cavaliers were going to start three big men and Larry Mark and then Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, I'm like, oh my God, please, Cleveland, you don't have to keep tanking. Like, don't, yeah, don't yeah, do yeah. This. I, I, I thought it was going to be an absolute failure. I was absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe Altman and, and the uh, coaching staff put together a, a surprisingly competitive roster. And I, I want to give a lot of credit to that being Mobley's ability to run the defensive scheme for mm-hmm. the Cavaliers that allowed him to run those three big names because Laurie Markkinen as a small forward just wouldn't normally cut it. But shout out to him, shout out to Mobley for making that work. And he's a very good defender for just a rookie. Anytime you're a above average defender on a defensive end as a rookie, you're special. Shout out to Herb Jones. Yeah. Uh, also, Damian Mitchell. Uh, yeah. So, but it's not just his defense. Adam Mobley surprised me because, you know, I'll, watching him a little bit I did in college because I don't really watch a lot of college ball. I wasn't very privy to what kind of offensive play he was. I was like, oh, he's just a, is he a back to the basket big? Can he, can he shoot? He can't really he can't really shoot, can he? But he surprised me with his ability to stretch the floor at times. Also being able to put the ball on the floor and attack yeah. closeouts, I didn't I didn't know he was, you know, he reminds me of a young Chris Bosh in terms of his offensive repertoire. Yeah. So to be young Chris Bosh and that – on that end, but then be like an above average to borderline defensive. You know, he was. Um, I probably should have had him as a defensive player of the year, um, in terms of uh, not a honorable mention. Honorable mention. Yeah, yeah, honorable yeah. mention. But to be that on offensive end, but also borderline defensive player of the year candidate, right. I I think he was very deserving of the number two spot. A big um, part of the Cavaliers this season. So Jordan's number two is Mobley. We know off of context, if you're playing context clues with us, that's Dre's number one. It's also my number one. So we're going to skip my number two real quick, which I'm assuming is going to be Jordan's number one and save him for the last topic. But let's talk about Mobley, both of our number ones, me and you, Dre. Here's some uh, easy stuff on Mobley. Like you mentioned, it's rare for a rookie to be okay, if not good, on the defensive end. And Mobley was a fringe DPOY guy. And honestly, if the Cavs had finished at the top three seed that they were for about half the season, he probably would have been the top three for a lot of people, if not the winner, which is unheard of for a rookie. 
He is averaging 14.9 points, 8.2 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and 2.4 stocks on pretty good shooting outside of three-point. 50.7 from the field, 25% from three, so that's not there yet. 66.5% from free throw line is a bit concerning, but I want to see a second season of that because it's not like 40 or 50. It's closer mm-hmm. to 70 than it is 60. So I want to see one more season, see if it goes up to 70 before I make something on there. He is fifth in scoring among rookies while also being easily the best defender in the class, number one in rebounds per game, number one in blocks per game among rookies, and number one in double-doubles among rookies. And he's done it all season without the the injuries out there. He's had some injuries of himself, but they want to play power forward next to Jared Allen. He does it exceptionally. Jared Allen's out with an injury. you got to play center now, even though you're a little bit thin at this point. He can do that pretty easily. A special, special talent defensively, who has done this the entirety of the season for a playoff team. They are solidified at the number eight spot in the play-in tournament. They'll be playing the Nets on Wednesday, I believe, and would have been much higher if it wasn't for an unusual, and that's the term you should use, an unusual amount of injuries to guys like Ricky Rubio, uh, Karis LeVert, Rajon Rondo, Jared Allen, himself, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, every player on that roster has missed time this year, and they're still the number eight seed. And if they were they were healthy before the season and made the number eight seed, eight seed, they would have been considered a success. So for them to do that with all the injuries they've had is phenomenal. And big shouts out to Kobe Altman and JB Bickerstaff for also contributing to that. Dre, let's hear your argument for Evan Mobley for Rookie of the Year. So while I think it's a close race, I think I think the reason why Mobley gets the slight edge over well, there's there's a few reasons why Mo, why Mobley gets the slight edge over K. Obviously because um, Mobley just said, in my opinion, Mobley's just been more consistently been doing it like throughout throughout the course of the season. And plus the Cavs obviously have a better record, and I feel like his impact, you know, on both ends of the floor for the Cavs has just been slightly better than K's impact for the Pistons. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like. The sky's the limit for Evan Mobley. He, to me, he reminds me of like a like a younger AD. But honestly, he might he might have been better than what AD was around that time, in my opinion. Like you know, just being able to play on both ends of the floor, basically, you know, his his defensive impact, just being able to uh, right to guard multiple positions. The sky's the limit for Mobley, in my opinion. He's a monstrous player, and we'll cover a question that I have in a second. But I'm assuming Jordan, your number one is Scotty Barnes, correct? It, it is the one and only Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, didn't know a lot about Scotty Barnes coming into the uh, draft. I even remember on the draft day, uh, I think of Raptor fans were pretty lukewarm on the fact they took Scotty Barnes. I yeah, a lot of people really thought it was going to be Jalen Suggs. Suggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the Magic were celebrating the fact they took the, you know, they ended against Suggs right. and they just had to celebrate Scotty Barnes. So I didn't know a lot about him. And I was like reading up, and I'm like, okay, so he's kind of like a big forward that can't shoot right like that isn't okay i see why they weren't too hot on getting him but he really surprised me with how good he is like going back to how special class is like a lot of these a lot of these rookies are plus defenders yeah. in their first season first of all unheard of so shout out to him for that second he has been at one point he was shooting a pretty good split from the three-point line it tapered off over the course of the year right but for so for a rookie who couldn't whose emphasis wasn't really shooting or scoring, he surprised me with how well he scored this season. I think he shot like forty eight, close to like forty eight percent from the field this season, averaged around fifteen points, uh, seven point six rebounds, and he was able to put the ball on the floor and create 
opportunities for others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the reason I gave him the edge over Cade and even Mobley was the fact that he's playing like 36, 37 minutes for Nick yeah. Nurse. Yeah. Like Nick Nurse usually That's has true. a short lease for guys who don't do what, they, what he wants them to. So That's he's true. like a major player for this team that has somehow – I think the Raptors were pretty – they were like a low seed early on the season. That's climbed the standings and found mm-hmm. themselves positioned in a first-round matchup at the fifth seed against the Sixers, where I think the Sixers might be locked into the fourth seed. I'm not certain. Where I can actually see them winning that series in large in part because of what well – not Kate, what um, – Scarter Barnes is going to be able to bring on a defensive end uh, for the Raptors. So that's why I had him for my number one. So real quick, the Celtics are about up 30 right now on the Grizzlies, who I'm sure are resting guys. Yeah, their highest score is John Conchar right now, who I like, by the way, but he's not your best player on the team. Um, barring any big fourth quarter comeback, I believe that means the Celtics will be locked into the second seed with the Bucks in the third seed. Um, we'll keep an eye on that while we're recording, but I believe that's the case. In terms of Scotty, you presented great stuff for him. I've got a little bit of stuff that I wrote down for here. He's played not just 36, 37 minutes a game, but 73 games played for a playoff team in Toronto. A lot of games he's played. He's the number three in points per game while being, I think we can all agree, the second best defender in the class and number three in rebounds per game and number three in double doubles among rookies, averaging 15.4 points, 7.6 rebounds, 3.4 assists on 49.2% field goal, which is fine. 29.8% 29.8% from the three, which is not great. 73.5% from free throw, which is solid. It's better than Mobley. 1.9 stocks. The one thing, and I, on draft night, I think we'd recorded something, Dre, and I was confused, like you, about them not taking Jalen Green. You're trading Kyle Lowry. The heir to the throne is right there. A guy that can play defense, has tremendous basketball IQ, great stature perfect guy for Kyle Lowry. What we failed to remember was Toronto is one of the best goddamn developers in the game. Memphis is up Mm -hmm. there. Milwaukee can be up there. Sometimes Miami is certainly up there, but they turned a guy like OG Ananobi into a guy that defends every night, hits threes and has a little bit of playmaking chops. They turned they Siakam, Siakam yeah. like the list goes on and on. They turned Siakam from fucking nothing into this guy that's going to be all NBA this year, the number two guy on a team that won the title, Fred Van Vliet, into a guy that plays. He's going to make an all-defensive team. Like Van Vliet might make an all-defensive team this year, and his only attribute before the NBA was scoring. And you gave these guys a tall lanky defender who already knows how to defend at a high level and he's like 19 you can mold them however you want they're going to make scotty barnes into the one of the scariest players in the nba on a nightly basis and we are going to see for years to come we always thought that og ananobi was the the heir to Kawhi's short-term throne in toronto no it's fucking Scotty Barnes, who, by the way, loves being in Toronto and loves the people of Toronto. I can't imagine unless something bad happens in the future, he would be leaving that city. So it's like a baby Kawhi that loves the city that he's in, which is the opposite of fucking Kawhi for being serious. So it's phenomenal for them. And listen, Dre and I have Mobley at number one, but Scotty number one obviously isn't that thing. And the Scotty stands, the Scotty stands on Twitter are... 
rabid. They're going after everyone. Like the Mobley ones are out there too. The Jalen Green stands are surprisingly very stingy too. Uh, I follow a lot of Houston people. I'm on the West Coast now, so I'll be watching their games. So I follow some of the people. Man, they they ride or die with Jalen Green. Um, that's what we've got for that. Any final thoughts before I ask one last question on the rookies before we go to MVP? Do you guys think Giddy is top five? Like that's that's my question for y'all. Like it's either Green or Giddy. I don't think Franz is. I think Franz is untouchable in there, but it's either Green. Okay. Or I think I'd have. I think I'd have Giddy over Green on my top yeah. five for this season. He's been great. Yeah. If he didn't miss this last month of the season, he probably would have been uh, one of those guys. Most triple doubles, like I mentioned, the rookie class, uh, one of the more unique players in this draft class, and a really weird but fun fit next to Shea Gilgis in the OKC Thunder, and we'll probably see that pairing for years to come. Last question for you guys before we go to the the final, you know, the finale, the celebration, the last award. These guys, but also any of the rookies, who do you think is going to be the best player in three seasons? Dre, you go ahead. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to say probably Cade. Because I feel like, you know, with Cade just being that leader, being that point that point guard or, the, or, the, or whatever you want to call him for the team, if the Pistons can improve and at least make, like, a playing tournament or whatever, like, like within, like, the next two to three years, I think that that'll put him in the, um, in the best direction, honestly. And I think I think I think he's gonna have like that Ja Morant type impact. Like you know how Ja has been super fantastic for Memphis this year. I feel I feel like Kay's gonna be that same way. So if everything goes right with him, if Detroit puts him in, in that best position going forward, I feel like Kay just might have a bigger impact going forward. Really bold of Dre to go at the number one overall pick. Jordan, who do you got? Oh man, this is this is hard because it's not something I've actually given much off the top right. of my head. Man, I think I'm gonna go with I think I'm gonna go with Mobley. Yeah, just, just because his his ceiling is through the roof when you consider what he's what he's already doing on a defensive end. Um, three years from now, when he's actually in, you know develops an NBA body, he'll be able to right. guard more guys straight up in the post. And if he if we see a progression in his offensive game in, the, in those three years, I see a two way terror kind of akin to yeah. what AD is. So yeah. Uh, which which is a top ten talent. So I, I think I'm gonna go with uh Mobley. I'm probably also going to go with Mobley. The one thing that I'll say about Kate is that he is the only player Leave me alone, huh? Player. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna mention, let me talk about Kate real quick. Let me talk about Kate. That was good. We've talked about how many good players there are in this rookie class and how many players are franchise game changers. Cade Cunningham is still unique in the way that he's the only one that has a chance of being heliocentric for his team. You can run the entirety of the offense through him with his passing and scoring chops, as well as facilitate the cutters, the open shots, some flare screens for him that I don't think you can do with any other player. I think you can run a lot of offense through Jalen Green, but if he's not scoring, it's not going to be necessarily the same. Cade's closer to Luka than anyone else in this draft class, and that's the reason he went number one. And if he does become that, it's one of the rarest players you can have in the NBA. I don't think Mobley is that. I just think that Mobley is going to have multiple DPOYs in his career while adding to his offensive game on a team that is really going to foster that development. 
even if you don't believe in Cleveland's development program, which is a little bit better than people give credit to, he's still going to assumedly have Darius Garland for most of his development, an elite guard, especially passing, dishing him up for easy looks. So he's going to have a lot of time and leeway for it. I just think with Moley with that combo is going to be the best player in three seasons. But again, just like this rookie of the year, it's a fucking toss-up. The main event. And I really, like... We're not doing all NBA teams and all rookie teams because I, I find it messy. I don't have a vote. If I had a vote, maybe I'd talk about it more, but I really don't care as much as people do. I know it's tied to contracts. Oh, they're centers, but they're listed at forwards. Who cares? Just put the five best players. I really try not to do that uh, on the podcast because it fosters tension and people tear down other players, but for MVP, you just can't avoid it. We're going to have to talk about MVP on this podcast, and we're going to have to do it. Honorable mention, everyone has the same top three, just like Rookie of the Year. If you don't, we will discuss that at length when you mention it, but I imagine we all have the same top three. My honorable mention that we already talked about was Booker. Does anyone else have someone that they'd like to mention? Just a quick shout-out. Don't have to analyze. Just a quick shout-out. You had a great season, but you're not top three. Shout-out John Morant. He definitely deserves those props. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody would have pegged the Grizzlies to be the uh, number two seed in the West, or even have the second best record in the NBA. Yeah, like you put it in terms of that. Um, and I think a large. He played a large part in that. He's been a. I would borderline. He's been a superstar talent. In terms of social media craze, I think I saw something that said like he's been like the most searched slash watched NBA player this season. Or maybe he was second to LeBron. I can't remember which one it was, but he was like top two in terms of like social media engagement as a player. Like I he am. has been otherworldly this season. The only thing that holds him back from getting the award is the fact that the Grizzlies have been so damn good when he's not on the court. And, right. that, and people use that as a way to detract from him. Also, the fact. So I think he deserves at least an honorable mention um, for the MVP. I, I agree. And that's probably. Why he's going to win most improved? He's the odds on betting favorite for most improved right now. Whether you agree with that or not, it looks like he's probably going to win it. And if he was healthy for the whole season, then yeah, he definitely would have been in that top three, four. That Dre, anyone you want to shout out for a great season, but they're not in your top three. Well, since um, since Jordan went with John Morant, which I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. I, I definitely think that he's top five, honestly. Um, I'll probably. I'll probably say DeRozan because there, yeah, honestly, yeah, there, was, there was a time there was a time where um, where people were considering DeRozan as the MVP favorite. Just I mean, considering the circumstances of uh, Chicago when they lost guys like Levine had missed games. Obviously, Lonzo missed a um, significant time. Caruso missed time. Obviously, yeah. they're um, obviously they were they were without Patrick Williams as well. So for DeRozan yeah. to keep that team afloat and keep them as a number one seed for for as long as he did, and then of course you know he he went on like a crazy stretch where he went like 10, 12 straight games where he averaged around like thirty five or more. Like he was definitely like at least like the front runner for MVP, so he's definitely not going to get it now. But there was a time where he was like up there, like like towards the middle of the season. There's a very real chance that despite the MVP award, he might get a first team All NBA uh, ballot. He's eligible at both guard and forward, so if he gets voted in, I personally mentioned that I wouldn't, but I you could very really see it. And compared to what he was last year in the past couple of years, what a what a growth for Demar Derozan. I'm talking about improvement. If you want to talk about actual improvement, he could have been in discussion for most improved based off where he was last year. He's been great. And I would 
wish the Bulls were more healthy. I know that this, I'm a Bucks fan myself, and a lot of Bulls fans blame Caruso's injury, but the reality of it is you miss several key members for large stretches of the season, and you're just not going to survive that without a top-five guy. As much as you want to talk about Caruso for six weeks, Lonzo's been out longer, and he's not going to play in the playoffs, which really fucking sucks, by the way. It really sucks to not see Lonzo out there. Hopefully he's healthy for next year and is able to stay on the court. But I'm glad you mentioned DeRozan because in the early season he was one of those guys that got mentioned Literally. early on. This is this is a like this is a small conversation that has to make like Laker fans cringe because there could have been a chance they got DeRozan honestly. Yeah, yeah, and it, I don't really want to talk about the Lakers, but LeBron was a choice before you know they didn't make yeah, the yeah, fucking yeah. play and big shouts out is the only time we're gonna mention it. From here on out, the Lakers will not be mentioned on Hoop Truthers until either the next season. Or the beginning of next season. Fuck out of here with all that shit. You didn't even make the plan. I don't care about the injuries. You didn't make the plan. The goddamn Spurs that were trading players for first rounders at the trade deadline beat you to the plan. Big shouts to the Lakers. Uh, Los Angeles, where I reside now, so y'all can come at me. MVP. Three players. We all know three players. Biases are going to be involved. Let's Before we start anything, let's just say... If any of these three players wins, I don't think anyone has really any argument. They're all equally deserving, and it's very hard to parse the differences. But So this is my with- take on this. So this is my take yeah. on the other three guys. I think that the NBA needs to just cut the MVP award into three pieces and just give them a piece, honestly. Because yeah. honestly, like it's, it's honestly that hard, in my opinion. Like There's really like no clear-cut favorite. Yeah, but with that shitty conservative stand-up comedian be like, oh, you're going to give everybody a participation trophy or some shit? It's really, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's splitting it, but it, only one guy can get it, and there's no definition whatsoever. So let's start right away. Number three. I'll start. I'll put myself under the firing, okay? You're not gonna, people aren't going to agree with this, but that's fine. My number three is Embiid. And let me give you the positives before I do anything else, okay? He's at the scoring title. The first center, not only to win the scoring title since Shaq in 1999 and 2000, but the first center to average 30-plus since the 1980s. I looked it up. Shaq averaged like 29.7 right there, but not past it, okay? He's averaging 30.6, 11.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 2.6 stocks on some fucking phenomenal shooting splits. 49.9% from the field, 37.1% from three, which is great for a big, and 81.4% from the free throw line. You can talk all you want about Joel Embiid being a foul merchant, but he makes those shots. You better not fucking foul him. He's pretty much the only star on his team for most of the season. Ben Simmons, who technically could have been qualified as a star as he has made an all-star game before, didn't play at all for them and still has not played for his new team, by the way. And even since Harden's been there, he's only been a star like half the games that he's been there, if I'm being fully honest about it. I can I can, I can, can support Embiid while still tearing down Harden, hitting all of my narratives at the same time, I promise. They're 50 and 31 right now. They're going to end up either between two and four in the standings. And he's number one in points per game, we mentioned, number five in rebounds per game, and number nine in blocks per game. And a little extra stat from Twitter, he has had the most 40 and 10 games in NBA history for, for one season this year. And why do you ask that I have him third? Just fucking because. I don't have a, I'm not going to tear him down 
I'm not going to tear him down. I just see the stats that the other two guys have put up and the circumstances that they have been in, and I put him at third. I genuinely can't be like, oh, Philly's got a good team. They've got like a solid team. I'm not going to bash him, but Embiid's been doing this, and he's a guy to do it because his coach is whatever, and I genuinely can't say a bad thing about Embiid this season, even though I sometimes subscribe to like the hating on the foul merch and stuff, but the reality is he's good at drawing fouls as a center, and he makes them. You can complain all you want, but he's still going to get those fouls and he's still going to make them. So you've got to figure out something else to do. But that's honestly the biggest negative thing to say. Like, I know there's people that are are probably are traditionalists and say that Embiid shouldn't be so active on social media and be such a big troll. I love it. I, I He hasn't really come for the Bucks just yet. He did once where he said we were like a piece of shit city, which is fine, whatever. I'm not going to say Philly's the best city in the world. Whatever, dude. Uh, but he's not really come for us. I, he does have a lot of respect for my guy in Milwaukee as well that we'll talk about a little later on. Dre, there's three guys. Who is your third? It's insane how a guy that just put up, what, like 40 and 20 yesterday, and he's got to be yeah. number three. Embiid is my number – yeah, I mean, well, for me as well, Embiid is my okay. number three as well. And it's, it's unfortunate because he's just been so dominant. Like, when you look at the circumstances of this team – Ben Simmons obviously has requested his way out, so he doesn't really have a second star. Actually, no, shout out to Tyrese Maxey. I believe Tyrese Maxey was his second star for the uh, for the for the time being. Sure. But for him to be able to do this, you know, keeping the uh, keeping the Sixers afloat as like one of the at least like one of the top five seeds in the East, and then of course putting up the type of numbers that he has, I think he definitely has to be in that um, conversation as far as being an MVP. I don't know what's honestly holding him back as far as like you know possibly winning it. I don't know if it's Doc Rivers. I, I just I just don't know exactly what it is, but he's gonna get it someday. Unfortunately, I don't think it's gonna be this year, but sooner or later he's gonna get that award. And he and I'm hoping that when he does get it, he'll be a clear cut favorite. It's Embiid told media. If he doesn't get it this year, he doesn't know what more he can do, and he feels like everyone hates Philadelphia and stuff like that. We don't have a bias against Philly, at least I don't think we do. But there isn't much more he could do. Yeah, that's fair. I don't blame you for having a bias. East Coast fans in general uh, really make me dislike their teams, but I don't think the media as a whole has that. And to answer the other no. question, there's nothing more than Embiid could have done. <laughs> He's the first center in fucking 40, 50 years to get 30 points per game and the first center in two decades to win the scoring title. That gets you the MVP in many, many seasons. It just so happens that we have three guys having historically significant seasons at the same time. And for our personal preference, at least, it's third. Jordan, how about you, though? So my third is different, which means our um, top three overall will be different. Uh, yeah. My third is Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, mm-hmm. the Greek freak. Uh, yes, sir. And it's, I'm, I'm going to take the same route as you. He's three just because splitting hairs. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's had a phenomenal season. Uh, I believe he has had an MVP caliber season. And like I said, like Dre said, and Greg, he could have split this into three awards and given it to everybody. But right. I just, I'm giving it to him. I'm giving him the third spot more so because of the things that the other two had to deal with this season. And in spite of that, those things they dealt with, they were able to perform at such an MVP level. So it's less about um, what Giannis didn't do and more so what the other guy had to do with. And I also kind of talked to Chris, I said earlier, you shouldn't penalize somebody for having good teammates. But I think those other two guys rose to the occasion in situations that were not opportune. 
and uh, were able to keep themselves in conversation with Giannis um, despite that. So that's so my reason for him being number three is just he had a little bit better luck than the other two. Yeah, that's totally fair. Like we said, we're splitting hairs here. He's your number three, and if you want, I can't imagine you would be pissed about it. Dre, you got a number two for me, sir. Is it – who's it going to be? I'm going to go with, oh, my God, everybody's going to hate me for saying this. I'm going with Jokic as number two, man. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry, mm. man. I mean, look, Jokic has been fantastic this year. I, I originally had him as my MVP before the season began. Yeah, I think the only reason why he doesn't get it is because of um, the circumstance of, of Denver. I mean, we know that he's keeping that team afloat, you know, without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr., but unfortunately they are, the uh, I believe, the fifth or sixth seed in, in the West as of right now. So that's, so that, so that's real. In my opinion, that's the only thing that's really holding him back. Besides that, his numbers are just flat out incredible. It's rough, man. It's rough, but you got to go. In my opinion, I got to go Jokic as number two. Let's take a look at his stats. He's at 27.1 points, 13.8 rebounds, 7.9 assists. All a career high except for that assist range, which is only 0.4 behind his MVP year. So he won the MVP last year and upped most of his stats. On 2.4 stocks with the shooting percentages of 58.3%, which is phenomenal, 33.7% from three, which is just okay, and 81% from the free throw line, which is great. Like you mentioned, no Jamal or Michael Porter Jr. I believe Michael Porter Jr. played 10 games before he exited. Jamal Murray has played zero games this year and will not play in the playoffs. Really fucking sucks to see that. Number two in rebounds per game, number eight in assists per game, the only non-guard in the top 18 of assists per game, and number seven rebounds per game. Those statistics obviously lead up to the stat that everyone was talking about this week, the first player in NBA history to have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists in one season, almost the, the triple thousand double or whatever they call that, as well as only the sixth player in NBA history to lead his team in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. And even outside of that, he also leads them in field goal percentage. He was also my number two, which means my number one is almost entirely hometown bias, but we'll talk about why I chose him at that point. Jordan, the way you're talking, I feel like Jokic is not your number two. Who do you got? No, my number two is going to be Joel Embiid. Uh, yes, the sir. process. Uh, KU product, shout out to my boy. Mm. Uh, I've chosen number two simply because I do respect the fact that he has done some historical, unprecedented things this season, which I'm pretty sure Giannis probably did too as well. These guys are unreal. But the being the first center to average like 30-plus points in a season, phenomenal. Being you know, having a record for the most 40, 10 games in a season. Phenomenal. And just looking at the load he had to have the season, the drama with Ben Simmons, you know, is he going to play? Is he going to get traded? And Joel B going in, like, I don't care, you know, 40 and 10, you know, is, you know, is doing it in, day in, day out, propelling his team, keeping them in. Because like I said, we think about how good Ben Simmons is as a player. He's an all, he can, he's an all NBA talent. To lose a town like that and have a, a guy who's taking up that much of salary cap just sitting down every right. day, I think it's phenomenal thing. And being allowed it to impact his approach to the game, he went in every night and propelled the six the Sixers to what is now the fourth seed. And it's and then you look at the other things he has to have working against some like the Harden trade hasn't been as magical as I thought it was going to be personally. Um, Harden is looking kind of finito. And also knowing yeah. how much of a screw up 
Doc Rivers can be and yeah. how he can mismanage games and cause you, you to lose. The fact he had to work against all that, that's why I have Jordan B my number two. Uh, totally fair. And we're going to jump to your number one really quick because we know it's Jokic. We just talked about him. So give us your argument for him at number one. Obviously, like we said, splitting hairs and you don't have to tear down other players for it. But what led yeah. you to choose Jokic? And so I was at first vehemently against Jokic being the uh, MVP simply because I was like, well, this guy's like, what, seven seed, six seed, and you're saying that right. he should be. MVP, like I'm kind of, I was very mad when people did that for Westbrook. But then I was like, you know, when I was looking at the records of the people that I actually was putting in front of them, I'm like, well, they their team's only got one more win than him. They're just in the yeah. East. And so I was like, that's not fair for me to say, in my opinion, for me, I felt like it wasn't fair for me to say that he doesn't deserve to be a six seed when his team realistically only has one more loss or one or two more losses than the other guys I was going to put in front of him and Giannis. That makes and, sense. Um, and Super fair. So I try, I try to like discount that fact. And cause there, there are like a lot of games above 500 at that. Like they're a really good succeed team, but then also the fact that he had to deal with, you know, kind of just like NB, he had to deal with his number one and Jamal Murray being gone because injury and then his number two guy being gone in Michael Porter because of injury to his back. And those are two things that could have shot the Nuggets and had them in the play-in. But instead, they're, they were comfortably – well, they're in a pretty good distance away from being in the play-in all season long because of the superhuman production that Jokic was bringing day in and day out, being that, you know, you, you cited the 2,000, 1,500 record. Yeah. Um, I think he is in a class with LeBron being, like, the first guy to average, like, 25-plus and um, shoot 58% from the field, which is incredible. You know, maybe people think like, oh, you know, you're a center. Shooting 58% should be crazy. But I'm like, he shoots like four threes a game. So shooting 58% from the field while shooting four threes a game is, is freaking incredible. And yeah. then the most impressive part of his game to me is just being able to lead the attack on offense from right. the center position. But he doesn't feel like – he don't really feel heliocentric. Like he'll pass the ball – and like it, it seems like everybody just moves around him. It's kind yeah, of like yeah. they cut, they dive. Like it's not people just standing around watching him. It's just like he's like an eco, uh, offensive ecosystem. It's very yeah, 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 bizarre and surreal to watch. So that's why uh, Jokic is my number one. Jokic is super deserving, and like you mentioned, you can point to the seat all you want. Just about the same number of wins as Giannis and Embiid for their respective teams, and. The sixth seed has won before. Russell is a sixth seed. I believe that's the lowest seed ever to win MVP, but he was a sixth seed when he won, and it's in recent memory. So it easily could happen again. Like we mentioned, the season has been historic. The voters lately, I think, for MVP have really trended more analytics-wise to the numbers and Warp and Raptor and all that shit. And Jokic is just the king of that shit. He really is. Whether you whether you agree with him or not, if you pay attention to the stats, they say that Jokic is just the guy. And that's definitely what's going to go. Giannis is who me and Dre have based off of context clues. Let me lay down the argument real quick. It's not an argument, but Jokic didn't Homer. have MVG. Yeah, yeah, I am. It's fine. <laughs> Jokic I want to hear this, though. Yeah, Jokic didn't have MPJ or Jamal, which is big. MB didn't have Simmons for this thing, other thing. Giannis was missing guys the whole season. It's not the same, but he wasn't fully healthy for the whole year. Chris tested positive within the first week of the of the season. Chris Middleton, again, if you need the full name, the full name is Chris Middleton. Missed a lot of a few weeks with a positive 
COVID test. Drew Holiday, first game against Brooklyn, plays fine, turns his ankle out for a few weeks. A few months later, same injury. Brooke Lopez plays the first game against Brooklyn. He's great, who has been a tremendous player in Milwaukee. He's underrated because of the people he's surrounded by, but he's a big reason of why they won the title last year. Plays one game back surgery out until March last month, you know? And then he came back and started playing. Looks great, by the way. Big shots onto that. So he's holding the fort down with them out. And with them in, I would admit, if his team was fully healthy, he probably wouldn't be in the race for MVP because of how good his team would be, just like it was last year. But he's averaging 29.9 points per game, 11.6 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 2.5 stocks on 55.3% field goal, 29.3% from three, which is not good, and 72.2% from the free throw line, which is better than last year. He is number two and narrowly number two to Joel Embiid in the points per game, number six in rebounds per game, tied for number 10 in blocks per game, and only – we mentioned that Jokic was the only non-guard in the top 18 that was in assists per game. Giannis is in the top 20, only the second non-guard in that. So he's also doing that shit while the numbers are better than Embiid's and if you look at it all together. And he's just got the moments. If you want to look at performances against other MVP candidates, just a couple of weeks ago against Philly, blocks Joel Embiid at the buzzer to win the, to win the game. Right after that, step back three to send uh, Brooklyn into overtime and then wins it on free throws. If you're a narrative person, that narrative matches you as well. So with all of that out there, how we've laid out every single team, every single player for MVP, if I'm from Milwaukee and have watched every Milwaukee game this year, how could I not go with Giannis? If you're from Philly or a Philly fan, you should you should be choosing Embiid. If you're from Denver and root for Denver, you should be choosing Jokic. This year is not the year to be objective. The guys are so close in the top three that if he's your guy, then you fucking campaign for him all you can while not being entirely toxic on the timeline. But I just don't see how you could watch those guys for 80 games a year and not think that they're him. He's him. And if you're a Philly, if you're a Denver, I would expect you to end this podcast the same way that I'm doing it, is that at your guy. Giannis is my guy. I've been watching him since he was a rookie. And for him to be this close to his third MVP, of course I'm going to say he deserves it. And that's exactly why I'm putting him number one. It's a better reason than any else. Don't point at a stat. They're all evenly matched, and I'm from Milwaukee. I'm going with the Milwaukee guy. That's homerism to its core, but this year I think it's okay. Dre, it's not homerism for you. If Steph was there, you'd probably go with him, but why do you have Giannis for you? By the way, Jordan, that was a, that was just a quick drunk rant, you know, just to let you know. <laughs> but, I mean, it used, uh, to happen. It used to happen a lot more oh, yeah, on the podcast. Definitely, definitely. It was, it was poisoned, though. Definitely, but even though, I don't know, it's like I'm I'm riding with Giannis, but my head I don't know what it is, yeah. man. Like it's it's so close, and it's like I'm not even really comfortable saying Giannis. I'm going with Giannis just because I felt like he just made a bigger impact, in my opinion. Like he actually, no, I can't even say that because Jokic has just been impressive, and Beatty's just been impressive. It's tough, but I don't know. I just feel like you know with Giannis having that championship under his belt. Obviously, you know last year's championship doesn't mean nothing about this year, but I feel like it for does, him, just you know. Bro. For him, well, basically for him, just, you know, just improve his game overall, you know, becoming a better perimeter scorer, you know, just being able to continue to be that defensive um, anchor for the team. I feel like that's that's what gives him a nod, in my opinion, to have an MVP award. If you consider – oh, go ahead, please. Go ahead. I was going to say, I 
I was, I think I referenced earlier that I was like talking to friends about like a top 10 players in the league. I will give Giannis this. I did say that I think Giannis is currently the best player in the league. I do want to throw Definitely. it out there. Like, he doesn't always win you MVP, but what Dre just said about the finals MVP not mattering this year, it shouldn't. I mean, if you look at it technically, it's a regular season award. Exactly. If, if not winning in the playoffs, either offensively or defensively, will make people not vote for you the next year. The same thing should happen if you do win the next year and you carry that to the next season. Let's be honest. I agree. Giannis wins finals MVP in one of the most dominant finals games that we've seen in league history, at least in modern league history, and goes into the next season with a shortened offseason and is trying harder, is averaging more points than he ever has before. 29.9 is his career high. 11.6 is a little bit low, and 5.8 is just a few low from it. But he is going at the same rate. He did not take a single break from winning that championship. So if you're going to consider in the past, even though it's not technically correct, you have to do it when they win as well. As Drake would say when he's not being predatory towards under 18-year-old women, you got to keep that same energy. Oh, my God, around. dude. Okay? <laughs> Why did you have to use that? If I'm going to shout out Drake, I have to mention the shit that he does. It's not awesome, too. It's how I work. It's how my brain works, all right? You got to keep that same energy with that. And that's just to say that I'm choosing Giannis because of those reasons. But if Jokic or Embiid wins, even Embiid, who, if you guys don't know, Embiid losing uh, awards to Milwaukee players is kind of a thing when he lost to Malcolm Brogdon for the Rookie of the Year. And you look at where the two players are now, you can understand why you would be pissed about that. But even if Embiid wins, he's more than deserving of it. I love Embiid. I think Embiid's great. I think he's awesome. And he could easily win it. Same with Jokic, who won it last year. Big fans of both of them. If either of them win, you will not see me on the TL being salty, okay? Defensive player of the year, I really don't think he's going to win it. And I really don't think he should. But he's in my top three because I think he is the best defensive player in the league when he turns that switch. It's just how it is this year, man. MVP is, I mean, I'm so glad that we've been able to have an honest discourse about this, but on the Twitter, it's so difficult to talk to people about MVP. And I'll watch uh, videos and I'll listen to podcasts, which I did a lot to prepare for today's podcast. And everyone is just like, it's two ways. You're either like the numbers say that this guy is the number one guy and there's nobody else, even though that's not true. Or there's other people where it's like, well, Maybe Devin Booker's the MVP, which isn't fucking true either. It's just it's not. not. People Jeez. are just trying to find ways to talk about it. That's about wrapping it up. I don't know. Any final thoughts on MVP before we briefly touch on playoffs for you guys? I'm ready to get out of this MVP conversation. I'll tell you that. Let's get out of here. All right. <laughs> playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what we have. Okay. The 7 8, 9 10 matchups are set in both conferences. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. Hang on, hang on. Let's yeah. let's let's actually start with the West since we have a Clipper guy because I, I need to ask him a few oh, true, questions true, because true. this team has been super impressive. They they shocked me, I must say. You know, when Paul George went down, I thought it was finito for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you when you what, when you have guys like Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, and the rest of these guys just being able to step up and 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 like in the, in the fashion in the fashion that they have really been impressive to me. Now they got PG back. He's healthy. We saw him. We saw what he did um, when he ended up, when he ended up returning in that game against Utah. Having I think he had like thirty six that game, if I want to say. Um, now that this team is now officially in the playing tournament, they, they're going up against a Minnesota team who has been impressive, but lack a lot of experience in the postseason. How confident are you that your that your team is going to get into the playoffs? 
fastest uh, playing tournament? Ooh, I'm going to tell you what, man. Shout out to the Clippers for um, all the hardships and obstacles they've overcome this season. We, yeah. you know, we're not coming in without Kawhi. And then Marcus Morris wasn't healthy. He didn't play like the first 10 to 15 games of the season. And yeah. Batum got COVID twice. Yeah. Then you had Paul George go out because of the elbow. And mm-hmm. it's just been, it was just a slew of injuries and COVID-related injuries that just kept pounding the team. And a lot of other teams would have folded and just said, we're going to go with the lottery. But the Clippers did, and they persevered, and they ended up securing not just a playing spot, but they're actually, like, if this was a typical, a typical year, they would have actually Far away the NCAA, made the play yeah. ice. Yeah. So uh, I want to commend them for for being so resilient. With that being said, um, how confident am I going into this play again with Norm Powell and Paul George now back? I'm gonna say I'll switch you. I'm like 50-50. Um, yeah, I my my confidence in the team had dwindled before Paul George and Norm came back because we were team was looking like a it was looking like a team that was on its last leg. Wow, the guys that kept the train going like the wheels were about to finally fall off before our stars came back. Um, which was like the last five six games of the season we've had yeah. Paul George back now, and just the last two to three games we've had Norm. Uh, so going into that play again, off game, if we had not had Paul George, I would probably said ten mm, percent chance of us winning. Sure. These guys are just dead, dead tired. We're not going to be able to outscore them. Memphis, we'd have went into that game against the Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves would have probably had probably the top two, maybe top three players on the court um, going into that game. But I'm back to fifty percent now because Paul George yeah. is a great talent. Norm is a great talent. Um, I think we're like 3-0 against the Timberwolves with Paul George on the court. Um, mm. I think we won those games. I think we I think we beat them by like 20-plus in all three games that Paul George played this season. Like, we absolutely destroyed them. But in those games, I think D'Lo didn't play who is – I'm not all that crazy about D'Lo, but he's an integral card for the t- Timberwolves. Yeah. And the fact that Paul George and Norm have not gotten even like two full weeks That's true. That's true. Yeah. To get into rhythm. While the Timberwolves have been almost like a machine for like a month or some time now with all their guys yeah. back. So yeah. if we had had like maybe one more week of games, I would have probably gone 75, 25. I would have felt real confident. Yeah. But Paul George, I don't even think he's played like 36 minutes yet yeah. um, in any of these games because he's been ramping up. Plus, we've been blowing teams out and he hasn't had a chance to play that many. So I'm 50-50. If we lose, I'm not surprised. If we win, I'm not surprised. Sure. Uh, I know that's a boring answer. But, no, it's totally fair. And even with Norm and Paul George only getting, you know, a couple of weeks off, even before that, Norm was traded while Paul George was injured. So Norm and Paul just never played with each other alone. Yeah. Uh, huge yeah. fan. I mean, I think they should both be, obviously, Paul, but I think Norm should be the starter when, when he's healthy out there. It's going to be really interesting. I think for my narratives, obviously, that's the most important thing on this podcast. I would like the Clippers to uh, lose the first playing game and get the eighth seed and uh, – beat the Suns in the first round. <laughs> now, I don't think that would happen, but I do want the Suns to have no. a hard trek to the finals, so I think that would happen with the Clippers. Could happen with the Wolves, too, but that first game is going to be interesting. I'm going to give the Wolves the edge just because, like you said, they've had more time together. Dre, how about you? What do you think? I don't know. It's tough. I'm probably going to go 
I'll probably go with uh, I'll probably go with Minnesota as well, just because I mean um Jordan made some great points, you know, about you know, about about the guys that are coming back, you know, obviously not having enough time. And yeah. obviously that is gonna play a role in this in this single game elimination. Even even though the Clippers will have another chance, you know, um playing that nine or ten seed, but I think yeah. I think right now I think I think Minnesota will probably secure that seven spot. On the other end is the nine and ten matchup, like we just mentioned, Pelicans and Spurs. Before we say anything about this game, we can just skip it and say that whoever wins will lose to the winner of the seven eight matchup. Do either of you feel different? I don't. Who? I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna if the Clippers lose and they have to play the Pelicans, sure. That's when their game might be. 60, it might be 60, 40, 70, 30 in favor of the, of the Pelicans. The Pelicans, oh, yeah. they beat us like six games in a row oh, really? before the last time we played them. And I don't, I think fast young teams that has been the Clippers Achilles heel, like usually Memphis burns us. Um, the Pelicans, for some strange reason, always beat us. I don't know. Since the Kawhi era has started, we've just struggled with things like that. So sure. I'd be actually, I would actually be kind of terrified to play the Pelicans sure. in the second game. I wouldn't be confident at all. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. Take it from a Clippers fan who's watched them more than us, honestly. Um, the Pelicans are good. I think they're, they're better really than we good. give them credit for. They've got Ingram, they've got CJ, they've got Jonas, a lot of scorers. I don't know about the defense, but you do have Herb Jones there, who I'm sure will be tasked with guarding Paul George for the entirety of a play-in game. It's gonna be fun. Let's do really quick. Suns and Grizzlies, we have to wait for the plans. Let's not talk about them. Right now, it's Warriors Nuggets. Dre. One thought, and then how do you think those series is going to go out? The Warriors and Nuggets. That was going to be a really um, interesting um, series, to say the least. I'm not 100% sure if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. will come back. But obviously, if they Neither. do that, they're, they're not going to come back? All no, right. they're not. Even even with that, um, I don't even know the timetable, Steph Curry getting back. But the Warriors are not safe here, honestly. Yeah. I'm going to say the Warriors are unfortunately not safe. Uh, Draymond is still kind of hobbled a little bit. You can tell he's not the same. Um, Clay is still trying to find his rhythm, unfortunately. We all know what Jordan Poole is about to the table alongside with guys like Kaminga, Otto Porter, yeah. Andrew Wiggins. I'll, I'll, I'll say Andrew Wiggins has been very um, inconsistent as well. Obviously, yeah. you know, considering that this team has a lot of playoff experience, can that can that change? Um, can can everything turn around? Yes, but I just don't. I don't know. I, I I'm not gonna say the Warriors are gonna lose, but it's definitely not gonna be an easy series. Like if we end up winning, it'll probably be in at least probably six, seven games. The biggest weakness beyond health, obviously, with Steph Curry injured for the Golden State Warriors has been size. They've got big men like Kevon Looney and Draymond Green in the sense that they play big, but they are not statistically big men. Kevon, I think, is 6'9", and Dre is a little bit shorter than that, 6'6", 6'7". And the Nuggets' strength is their guy who has size in a seven footer and Nikola Jokic, who's a bit of a thick boy himself and can get into the paint and mix shit up. The rebounding margin will probably decide the uh, series. And a lot of series are uh, leveled out by the rebound margin. I think the matchup to look out for is last year. And even though they had him, um, but he wasn't fully acclimated. This year, Aaron Gordon is their primary perimeter defender in Denver and guards the best perimeter player. If Steph is out, I think the series comes down to whether Aaron Gordon can guard Jordan Poole or not. Because Poole, believe it or not, is going to become their offensive weapon. Their focal point in the offensive scheme. 
of how good he is. And I think in the playoffs, you give him a taste of it, he's not going to run away from the grind. I promise you that. So it's very interesting to see because Aaron Gordon's going to be guarding him. I'd probably give the edge to the Warriors in six just because they're not going to have Jamal or Michael Porter Jr. How about you, Jordan? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to tell you what. I, I think I might be siding with uh, Denver in this. Uh, I think since Steph, since Steph went down, the Warriors are one, two, three, four, five, six. They, yeah, they, they've lost – out of ten games, they've lost six. They're, they're um, what's that, four and six since Steph got hurt. Um, have not been a great or even maybe even good team without Steph. Um, it kind of speaks to maybe his MVP case um, is actually a lot stronger than a lot of people might have believed, even with him struggling early on the season. But they just they don't have any size, like you said. They, what are they? Who, what are they going to do about Jokic? What are they going to do about Jokic? Like, yeah, I, this is why James Wiseman coming back was crucial, and it's yeah. still devastating to me. Or the Warriors making some kind of trade for a Miles Turner. Like Miles Turner is not going to be a Jokic stopper. But you gotta sure. be able to throw bodies at them because, like, whoever your first guy is, you put on Jokic. If they draw three fouls at for, in that or four fouls in that first half, what do you do then? Like, they, they don't have a lot of options there. So he's going, he's going to pretty much go unopposed in this series. He's going to step on the court and, and far away be the best player without Steph sure. out there. Uh, and if Steph doesn't come back or he's like not himself. I can see the Nuggets like sneakily getting the Warriors out of here. I'm, I, that's I might be what I bet on. After the Nuggets coming back <sighs> down one three against the Clippers in the bubble, I wouldn't be surprised for them to beat nearly anyone in the playoffs. But the thing that I point to is in Portland when they lost to a severely depleted Portland team when they still had Jamal and Michael Porter Jr. Mind you. Um, Damian Lillard took over that series. If it's not Steph, it could be Jordan Poole. Those fast-scoring guards have a way of exploiting weaknesses in Denver, and I just think that it's a better well-run team than Denver is. It's Jokic or bust, and in Golden State, there's a few other options. And that's not to say... Who the hell knows what Clay's going to look like in the playoffs in his first time back in three years? I mean, Clay might just end up being playoff Clay, which we all know is one of the best playoff players of all time. I would give the Warriors the edge simply because they're the Warriors and the Nuggets are depleted. Of course, mentioning I wouldn't be surprised. Let's take a quick look at the 4-5 matchup because we are at an hour and 40 minutes and we're still going to go to the East playoffs. So if you're still listening Get on Hinge or Tinder, please. I beg you. All right? I really do. Mavs, Jazz, I've got the Mavs in five. What about you guys? Jazz and Mavs? Well, Mavs and uh, – I'll say Mavs and six. Okay. Jordan? Ooh, I'm going to go Mavs in five or a clean yep. sweep. Boy, they're going to get the Jazz the hell out of here. Man. It's time. It's time to blow that thing up in Utah. It's time for Utah I'm- to blow it up. Yeah. I'm so glad I will finally be able to witness playoff Luca against somebody else that's not the Clippers. Yeah. I'm yes, so glad yes. I didn't see him torment somebody else. I'm so happy. Luca was so going happy. up 2 0 against a healthy Clippers in the playoffs last year. You think he gives a shit about the Jazz, who, by the way, have no one for Luca? You're going to stick Royce O'Neal or Danwell House on Luca? No. And it's going to be uh, unfortunate for the Jazz, who will win one single home game and lose in five and trade either or both Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert in the offseason, which I'm sure Dre and I will do an episode on in the future. Eastern Conference, 
which was the conference that we were trying to set up things all around. We've got it all set up. Tim Bontemps tweeted, I can show you guys in a second, but the standings, let's start with the plan, all right? Seven and eight, Nets, Cavs. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs pulled it out because the Nets have struggled this season. The Cavs are really well built, but I fully expect the Nets to win this game. How about you guys? I'm going to pick the Nets too, but it's definitely not going to be easy because I mean, just, just even watching today's game and even like their past game or like over the past few weeks, like they, they still have a lot of chemistry issues. And I mean, I get it. You know, a lot of guys have been injured. A lot of guys have been in and out of the rotation. And then of course, and then of course, defensively, they're not all there as well. So of course, you know, with the with the greatness of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, of course, that means that the Nets should automatically prevail. But Cleveland might honestly make it a game, honestly, and they and they, they might come out of that with a win, with a win. So you never know. Jordan, your thoughts? Cleveland's one hundred percent going to make it a game because um, they just they they're competitors. Like they, yeah. they don't lay down to anybody. I love the fearlessness of Garland and his group. But with that being said, they haven't been as potent without Allen. And yeah. so we know this is a one game yeah. scenario. They could always win. We got to yeah. always preface with that. But I like the idea of a KD having Kaden Kyrie and a go, you know, lose or go home situation. I think I was going to side with that team. Darius Garland, is he out for the playing game? Do we know that? He's out with Pelicans. He's been out for a second. I don't have a specific answer on that, oh but God. here's what I'll say I do think the Nets are going to win that game. But whoever wins or loses the seven eight matchup, I don't want to see Trey in a one game game. One game, you know. I know it's Hawks Hornets, and Lamelo might have something to say about that. For whatever reason, uh, James Borrego, the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, has yet to give Lamelo the full keys to the offense, and I can't imagine that's going to happen in one playing game. So I think the Hawks are going to beat them simply because of that. They're going to give the keys to Trey, and he's going to win a game for them like he has in the past. And if you're the yeah. Nets or the Bulls, like even the Nets, like I understand that Kyrie and KD both even might be considered better players than Trey Young, uh, even though Trey might be first or second team above Kyrie, who didn't play half the season. I don't want, the, uh, if I'm Brooklyn, I don't want to see Trey in one game. If I'm Cleveland, I certainly don't want to see Trey in one game. Uh, and that's going to be pretty interesting do you guys feel the same way in the sense that trey is going to beat the hornets or do you guys think lamello and the Hornets have a chance there in that game lamello and the boys ain't got a chance dog sorry those teams are both so damn wacky it's so hard to say man like y'all saw the stat i think it was like the hornets are like perfectly like they were like they had the same record at home but it was like they're 20 20 yeah 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 yeah. 20 away they they're they're just a mid team like you (laughs) <laughs> but they they go on. They have these random games where they just explode for like 130, and then they have games yeah. where they can't guard anybody. Let the other team score 130. I can't predict them. The Hawks have been bizarrely not good this season. I, I I can't I can't even count the Hornets out just because of how weird the um right the, the Hawks have been despite Trey's brilliance this season. The true definition of mid was the Charlotte Hornets this season. Let's take a look at. What Tim Bontemps has tweeted, let's double check. The the Celtics are still up by like 30. The Celtics officially won by 30. Mm, they have the second seed now. So they've got the second seed. Here is the matchups. All right. He did. We're going to play the eighth seed. We're not going to talk about that. Neither the Celtics, but the seventh seed. We assume both of them, regardless of which teams, although the Nets playing one of them is going to be super fun to make it pass. So let's look at the other ones. 
the four and the five, the 76ers forces the Toronto Raptors. Guess what, Philadelphia? Any home game in Toronto, so road games for Philadelphia, Matisse Thibel and one other mystery player who we think might be Al Horford cannot play because they are unvaccinated. I have not been high on the 76ers since James Harden showed himself to be more washed than we thought he was. I'm going Raptors in six. How about you guys at the 4-5 matchup? This is crazy because <laughs> the Sixers really might get bounced in the first round. Yes, to be honest. yes, they will. I'm, they will. I'm, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Philly just because of the dominance of MB, and I'm hoping that Harden can somehow find his rhythm and be that and be that great second guy or that great second option right behind him. I know that I know that Matisse Thibel is not gonna be able to play road games, and I understand that, but. Yeah, I'll probably go Philly, but is honestly it's gonna be a close series though. I'll say that. It's gonna be close. I said Al Horford earlier for Boston. Listen, he was in Boston first, went to Philly, then a couple other teams, and then went back okay, to the, Boston. I'm sorry if I mixed that up, but they will not have Matisse Thibel for sure. It's Boston that won't have Jalen Brown and another player if they play Toronto. But they will not have Matisse Thibel, who against the Raptors you'd probably want for defensive purposes, but so you've got the 76ers pulling it away. I've got the Raptors. Jordan, you're the tiebreaker. Who do you got? <laughs> I think it's, it's – I'm trying to be objective, but it's hard because I want Doc Rivers to lose. Same. He doesn't deserve anything, <laughs> he doesn't deserve anything nice or great just because of how he does his players and never holds accountability. And I'm just – I'm actually kind of excited to see what grandstanding he does and what, what negative things he'll say about Embiid or James Harden if he loses. I'm actually excited about that right. fact. So with that being said, I've already told you who I want to uh, win, which would be the Raptors. That's a more chaotic, fun thing to happen here. Who I think will win, I'm going to stick with talent. And, be, you know, I think Embiid's going to have the average 40, you know, he's going to have like 35 to 40 points in the series. If James Harden continues to be this version of James Harden, I'm going to give Harden the benefit of the doubt and say that he's maybe been saving himself or whatever. For whatever reason, he's been so bad lately. Um, but I'm going to go with Sixers, hard-fought six or seven game series. The last time the Sixers played the Raptors, the Raptors had two of the best big man defenders in the game in a late-prime Marcus Saul and a, I would say, mid-to-late-prime Serge Ibaka. They have neither, and they really don't have any big men defenders this time around. They have chosen the Sixers. I've chosen the Raptors. It might be a narrative thing where I would just love if the Raptors lost. But listen, you put Doc Rivers, James Harden, and Joel Embiid in the same time. In my mind, they are going to disappoint in the playoffs any chance they get. And I think we're going to see that in the first round. Let's look at the other one. It's less exciting. The Bucks, whether you think they tanked for this position or not, are going to play at number three, the number six-seeded Bulls. And honestly, I've got the Bucks either sweeping or in five. And that's not about the Bulls. The Bulls are just banged up. Lonzo Ball is not going to play for the rest of the season. Nikola Vucevic may as well not play because he's playing Giannis in the first round. The last two times he's played Giannis in the first round, that boy has gotten swept or lost in five. All right. And DeMar is great, but you know where DeMar has usually struggled in history is the playoffs. I'm going the Bucks in five. I'm going to give the Bulls a home game. How about you guys? I think the Bucks are packing the Bulls out of here. It's going to be a clean yep. sweep, in my opinion. Yep. What about you, Jordan? 
I might go sweep four and five. I'm leaning more yeah. towards the sweep. The, the Bulls have just not have been they've not been good as of late. Um, Caruso's in, health has been up and down. Lonzo Ball is not walking through them doors. Yeah. This this is like I don't know what I don't know what scenario the the Bucks wanted to play out today, but this is the best case scenario. They, yes. The Bulls should be an easy um, out for them compared to potentially getting either the six. I mean, getting either the Nets. Or even getting a frisky Cavs team, like yeah, I, yeah, with uh, with, so yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go with books. Fully agree with that. Whether it was their intention, they get this, and let's be fully honest, the Bulls have not been healthy. But this is the biggest nightmare they could have had because even if the Bulls are fully healthy, they still have zero people for Giannis. And whether you've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or you've got Demar Derozan, on my end, in my mind. If you don't have anyone, not a single person to guard Giannis, I am going to go with the Bucks in that series. That's just how I feel about things. That's going to be a brief preview, baby. Listen, it's 6.50 where I am, West Coast. It's nearly 9 p.m. where you boys are, and we're at the end of the NBA regular season. It flew by, but what a fun 2022 season, which is going to end up one of the better playoffs we've seen in a minute with the East is going to be a bloodbath past first round. The Western Conference, I mean, at some point, imagine we see Grizzlies versus Suns. It's going to be something incredible, boys. So happy to be celebrating the end of this regular season with you two specifically. Dre, happy 24th birthday. I turned 24 earlier this year. I tell you, it doesn't get any easier. Jordan, I got to say with you, like, with people that have been on the podcast before, you don't always know how to talk to people over text or Twitter DMs. And for us to be able to be comfortable enough where I'll hit you up and you're super down for an episode and to be someone that is so involved in the culture of things on Twitter, not just with Basco, with other things, to be comfortable with you coming on has been a pleasure and an honor. Thanks for coming on, man. I hope the Clippers do great in this playoffs. Awesome. That means. Bro, I like it. Like I said, I love people who love basketball and, you know, uh, people who appreciate the game at its core, which I, I think you and Trey both do. We were going appreciate to do, we were gonna do plug zones and we were going to do final thoughts, but we are nearing two hours on this thing. So here's what we're going to do. You can follow Jordan at JWAP6 on Twitter, and you can find everything there related to the Popular Demand podcast, the shirt that he's wearing right now, as well as the problematic posse that he is Twitch streaming from on his page, which we will tweet out 100%. You can find Dre at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. He's posting articles again, baby. Forgotten Players number three is on the way. You know what it is with Dre on the fucking pen. And for me, if you care, you do not have to. First time I've looked at the camera in like two minutes is when I said you don't have to care about who I am. It's at underscore Guccifer. That's Lucifer with a G on Twitter. Hoop Truther Pod on Twitter. If you want to give us a follow and Hoop Truther Studios on YouTube, Give us a subscription, a like, notifications on. If you want to find out what our Venmos are, I'm not going to say them now and give us like a couple hundred dollars each. That's totally fine too. But until next week where I'm sure we'll be discussing the end of the playing games and the playoff matchups, this is the Hoop Truthers. We will see you next week. Deuces, guys. Deuces. Deuces.